0: episode 57 Samson and Delilah Sometime later Samson fell in lust I I mean he fell in love with a black widow I mean a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name is Delilah Judges 16:5 The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Alright, so the Philistines are frustrated with Israel's champion. They cannot defeat him in battle, and they cannot kill him in an ambush. But they do know that he has a weakness, that he loves foreign women. So they persuade a prostitute named Delilah to betray him and his great strength. So they persuade her by offering her something she loves way more than Samson. Money. Lots and lots of it. 1,100 shekels from each of the five kings of the Philistines. They put together a huge ransom for Samson. We can compare this amount to other Bible betrayals. It's fascinating to look at silver in the Bible. Being a form of currency, yet not as valuable as gold, But clearly, it's a monetary system in its own right. Gold and silver are mentioned as well, repeatedly, as something related to metallurgy, or used by the prophets to refer to the refining of the heart that occurs to those who walk with God. But that's the redeemed side of silver. There's an unredeemed side to silver. And while gold's unredeemed side is greed, silver's worse, for it represents betrayal in the Bible. Joseph was betrayed for twenty shekels of silver. Samson was to be betrayed for fifty-five hundred shekels of silver. Elisha would be betrayed by Gehazi, his servant, for two talents of silver. Micah would betray Israel with two hundred shekels of silver to make his idol. Haman would betray Israel for ten thousand talents of silver. And above all of these, for the price of a slave... Jesus would be betrayed by Judas Iscariot for 30 shekels of silver. Well, Samson's weakness was women, whom he possibly loved more than God and even himself. So he fell in lust, I mean love. I said that earlier, didn't I? He fell in love with the Delilah, who loved money more than Samson. Can you see what's going to happen? God's champion loved Delilah, and Delilah loved money more than Samson. It's inevitable, for Samson's sin was going to destroy him. Year after year, he pursued these foreign women, almost like it was his addiction, for he couldn't satisfy his endless desire for these foreign women. Instead of making the mistake of another marriage, he just moves in with his latest girlfriend, a prostitute, and boy did he find his match with this one. Game over, Samson, now that you've met Delilah. Now we have to set the scene but not too much of it. It's a bit adult, really adult. You've got to think their relationship went on for a while before the Philistines approached Delilah. I mean, Delilah was probably banking and getting lots of treasure and riches from Samson, who was Israel's champion, who probably had lots of money himself for the people treated him good, just to receive his protection. And if Delilah was a prostitute, he paid her handsomely. So when the Philistines called for her services, they had to offer her substantial coin And she took the bait. So we have to think that Samson was not an idiot. Really, he just—he couldn't be that stupid to tell his secret to Delilah. No, it would have to require time and persistence and wearing down of his spirit. And it would require witchcraft, alcohol, and all of her skills of her trade to convince Samson to tell his great strength secret. It starts simple enough, almost like Samson thinks it's a game, and he's above reproach. But what Samson doesn't realize is that Delilah, just like the devil, is not going to play fair. She's got a four-pronged attack planned for Samson to learn the secret of his great strength. First she binds him spiritually. Then she gets him drunk, defying the second of his Nazarite vows. She ropes him with demonic soul ties she uses witchcraft and curses him to bring him down and adds to it the final moves of nagging and persistence. And when he was the weakest and worn down by her, he gives in and tells her the secret of his great strength. What's easy to miss here is all the wickedness that Delilah uses to destroy Samson. It's intense, physical and spiritual, and she doesn't play fair. And don't get me wrong, Samson was lured into this trap, and he totally fell for it. This is what Solomon said about the adulterous woman. And trust me, Solomon had much experience with this spirit. Proverbs 5, three. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword." Well, that describes Delilah to the core. Here we go. The beginning of the end of Samson. Judges 16.6 So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have never been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied them up with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easy as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame, so the secret of his great strength was not discovered. Seriously, there was Philistines hiding in his room, and he was okay with this. Crazy! Gotta think he's enjoying the company and challenge of this woman in some twisted way. But he didn't consider he was playing with death itself. This is where Josephus adds, not the Bible, but Josephus adds that Delilah got him smashed and drunk to get him to tell his secret. It didn't work, but he broke the second Nazarite vow. Check out the language used. She bound him with cords. Sounds like spiritual warfare. Whatever you bind in earth is bound in heaven. But Samson was not playing the game in the spirit. He was playing a game in the flesh, while Delilah was playing the game in the spirit and the flesh. She had demons on her side, and Samson was just feeding the flesh and playing games in the physical. Every day Delilah was binding him with cords of sin in the spirit, and every day demons and more demons were being empowered around Samson, and his power And the spirit was being bound, just as he was being bound with these cords. Here is the second attempt, Judges 16.10. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. And then, with men hidden in the room, she called to him, "'Samson, the Philistines are upon you!' But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. "'Gotta see Samson, just having fun with it all. "'You silly woman.' Delilah decides to up her game. Binding him with ropes, not just cords this time, she was wrapping Samson in the spirit, and he wasn't getting it. Looking at the ropes, what did God say about marriage and sexual relations?' two become one. Delilah was connecting herself to Samson and dragging him down and roping him and not going to release him. She was creating soul ties and strengthening them each time they were together in their sin. Judges sixteen, thirteen. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied he replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and pulled the pin and the loom with the fabric. Samson truly did make a fool of her here, but this is where he should have bailed. Not that he shouldn't have run earlier, but the game was up because he's now losing his willpower. Yet he didn't know it, for persistence was going to destroy him. There was a tipping point, and Samson was about to hit it. Check out the language. If you look at the King James, it says, She webbed his hair. Webbed like a spider. His seven locks of his hair. All through the Bible, spiders and webs are referred to as a form of witchcraft. Samson was going down. Samson was not getting it. She had bound him through spiritual warfare. She had hooked him and roped him with soul ties through their sexual relationship. And now she was cursing him with their demons and her witchcraft and hurling power at him in the spirit through witchcraft and demonic worship. So when Samson shows the next time, he's toast. I mean toast, surrounded by demons bound in the spirit, pulled by soul ties and sin and demonically cursed. It is no wonder the next scene goes down so badly. Going back to Proverbs 5, check out the next verse. Proverbs 5, 5. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Isn't that true? She now pulls out her gift of persistence and nags and nags and pulls on him. And check it out. Samson had seven cords in his hair. Isn't that cool? Seven dreadlocks in his head for the seven spirits of God, his great strength. But Delilah had bound them and cursed them. The nagging continued until she was wearing him to death. Sounds like another proverb. Proverbs 27:15. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaking roof in a rainstorm. And in the end... It is endless persistence that overthrows Israel's champion. Here's the sad part. Judges 16.15 Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you don't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God for my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And she began to subdue him, and his strength left. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. Isn't that awful? She put him to sleep on her lap. Then they cut his hair. Then she woke him up, and he couldn't fight himself free. And then they gouged out his eyes. And then, if you can put it all together, she's there with her 5,500 shekels of silver right there as he's blinded. That's gnarly. Now, he's a prisoner in Gaza, grinding grain in the prison now. Isn't it sad that the man who sinned with his eyes and lusted in his heart, received the literal consequences of his sin, his eyes, which controlled him, were put out. Blinded and destroyed by sin is the sad moral story of Samson. It's almost like you can hear wisdom echoing through the ages, don't let your eyes destroy you. But unfortunately, wisdom is not always listened to, and all through the ages, this story is repeated over and over but Samson's hair began to grow back, and he began to regain some of his strength. Judges 16.23 Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled off for a great sacrifice to dig on their God and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson our enemy into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. Let's talk a little about the Philistines first before we cover the last scene. I need to make a correction. I previously mentioned Baal was the god of the Philistines. That's not true. Their god was Dagon, who was considered the father of Baal. Dagon's a weird deal. He's the Philistines' god. He's a half-fish, half-man. It's really weird. God's going to deal with the Dagon a lot in the Bible, but then again, it's just part of the family of Baal, so we're still talking about the same demonic family. Just thought I would bring that up. Here's the conclusion of Samson's life. Judges 16:23. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson our enemy into our hands. When the people saw this, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, and they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women all the rulers of the Philistines were there and on the roof there was 3000 men and women watching Samson perform then Samson prayed to the Lord sovereign Lord remember me please God strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood Bracing himself against them, his right hand on one, and his left on the other, Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the tomb of Manoah his father. He had led Israel for twenty years." This episode was like a Shakespearean tragedy and everyone died. Well, Delilah may not have or she may have in the final scene. But it is sad that our hero dies so tragically, yet heroically to the end. Doesn't just echo the last words of the book of Judges. Judges 21-25 In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. So I'm going to in this tragedy with the warning written by solomon in proverbs 5 let it be a sobering reminder of the destructive nature of sexual sin proverbs 5 warning against adultery my son pay attention to my wisdom Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain description, and your lips may may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end she is bitter as gall, sharper than a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life, her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me, do not turn aside from what I say, keep to a path far from her. Do not go down the door to her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. In the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, How I hated discipline! How my heart spurned correction! I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people." Drink water from your own cistern, drink water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline they will die, led astray by their own great folly. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week for a special unabridged history podcast special on King Manasseh. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email me at messagetokings@gmail.com. at gmail.com.